Wednesday to you all and welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Wednesday, February 26th. We hope you had a safe and happy Mardi Gras season. I'm Caroline Gonzalez joined today on the podcast by John DeShazer who is out at the 2020 Combine in Indianapolis. JD, which is colder, the Saints press box or where you are now? Um, I haven't been outside, but it's snowing here, um, and there usually are reports of snow in the Saints press box, but there's actual snow falling right now, so I'm probably going to say here. Um, it is really a, a white February right now, so yeah, it's kind of, I was I always expect the weather to, to deteriorate when we're here, uh, ever since I've been here, it always is kind of uh, cold and, you know, messy, but, you know, not this kind of snow. Yeah, don't sign me up for the snow. I'm not. I'm a Southern girl. I don't like the snow. Um, but, J.D., we haven't talked about Drew Brees. You and I, at least, haven't talked about Drew Brees deciding to return to football. He said, let's, let's make another run at it. How do you think that changes things? Before we get into the combine, how do you think that changes things for the Saints heading into this season? Well, I mean, I think, um, obviously, um, him coming back automatically, you know, makes the Saints a contender again uh, because he runs that offense as well as anybody. And I know people – you know, want to, you know, kind of harp on the playoff game, but he was eight and three as a starter last year and had some outstanding numbers. Had maybe the best December of his playing career. I think he had 15 touchdowns and no interceptions. And, you know, something crazy. Uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Month for that month. So, you know, to me, that kind of puts all that to bed. Uh, as for the same quarterback situation, though, it probably changes their quarterback room because I don't know, you know, economically if they'll be able to keep Drew Brees and Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you get a change from that standpoint. So, you know, what do you do if you're the Saints? Well, obviously they want to keep Taysom Hill. Uh, if they believe he's a quarterback of the future, so to speak, uh, they want to keep him. That gives you two quarterbacks in there. But Taysom Hill's value offensively has been not as a quarterback. It's been more as a tight end or, you know, maybe kind of a, a, a I don't want to say gimmick player, but, you know, they've had some things installed for him that weren't necessarily, you know, quarterback plays where you just drop back in the pocket. So if you want to keep him in those roles, you still want to probably keep him as your number three quarterback and maybe sign a guy uh, either in free agency or draft a guy to play, you know, the number two quarterback. And, yeah, if Drew Brees were to happen to go down again and, and Taysom Hill's your number three quarterback, then you prepare for him to ascend to the number two role. But I think his value is in so many aspects as in special teams. And, you know, again, as a, as a guy who's a matchup problem offensively at tight end and you can put him in and run some RPOs at quarterback and those kinds of things. So I think you still, if you're the Saints, want to make sure you keep him uh, and, and probably keep him in that third role so you can still use him in multiple positions because he saves you roster spots. He keeps you from having to sign a third tight end uh, immediately, and he keeps you from having to maybe sign a, a backup guy, you know, as a linebacker or a running back because you know he plays those special teams roles. And now, again, do you want to put him to that hazard when Drew Brees is injured? If Drew Brees were to get injured, of course not, and that's why you would have another quarterback. But I think that's what's going to happen with that. And you know, uh, the casualty of it would be, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's Saints career. And, you know, I know there were doubters that he was an NFL caliber quarterback and those kinds of things, but I'm sure he proved that during those, you know, five games. He was a a starter for two years in the NFL, his first two years of of his career. And, you know, he probably wants to resurrect that role in his career. So, you know, in New Orleans, that, that obviously would not happen this season. And so, you know, and then, 
you know, as an unrestricted free agent, you know, his salary, his compensation, you know, his compensation goals and what teams are willing to play is probably going to be out of the Saints' uh, comfort zone. So, you know, I would think that that would be the, the, the end of Teddy Bridgewater's Saints career, and I think it was, you know, a, a fantastic ride for him. It was really good to see him, you know, resurrect his career and show the NFL world again that he is more than capable of leading a football team. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with you there. And of course, we want success for, uh, you know, Drew Brees, of course, Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. But, you know, you covered a lot of ground in that. But one thing I took away was was Drew Brees numbers in December. And I can't help but think, you know, he was he was coming back from the thumb injury and Teddy Bridgewater had to take over for those five or so games. Um, do you think that the Saints want to bring someone in that maybe isn't necessarily young that can take a, take over the game right away and maybe take over some reps for Drew Brees? Because we know Drew Brees is a competitor. He's never going to want to take less snaps or uh, sit out any games or anything. But do you think they address someone or go after someone who can play immediately as opposed to someone who they have to groom for the NFL? Well, that seems to be the most that seems to be the most logical thing to do because again, the Saints are built to win now. And so to draft a quarterback, you know, now at some point the Saints are going to need a quarterback for the future. But, again, Taysom Hill's 30. Uh, if they believe he's a guy who can play for, you know, eight years as a starting quarterback, then you don't have to necessarily rush and draft a guy in the first round. But if you see a guy that you like that much, you know, maybe you take a guy. But, you know, I would think right now at, at this moment, to me, a veteran quarterback might make more sense because, again, as you just mentioned, you want a guy who might be able to step in and play right now if Drew Brees were to get injured, or to be able to hold it down uh, long enough for Taysom Hill to get in and get in there. And I'm sure the Saints will work on, as they have with Taysom Hill, installing an offense that's specific to him because the Drew Brees offense, quote unquote, probably doesn't fit Taysom Hill uh, as much as it fits Teddy Bridgewater. So you know you have to make some tweaks and you have to do some things specific to Taysom Hill if he were to be in position to take over a quarterback. But, you know, I think you can begin with having a veteran back there who understands the NFL and can give you some time. Well, of course, happy to have Drew Brees back, um, but you're out there covering the combine and you've been covering it for a few years now. So tell me, J.D., what do you think, what have you gathered as the main objectives from Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis that they take away from this week and weekend? Well, the main objective is to not tell anybody who they're going to draft. Never give out any you know, information get, ever. <laughs> you, you know, you get an opportunity. I think the biggest thing for the Saints, and for all NFL teams here, is you know you get a chance to get into guys, uh, get some medical reports on them. You get you give them physicals, you know, for the NFL, so you'll you know know exactly where a guy stands medically, and you get to do the face-to-face interviews. Look, they already have a really good idea of what these guys can do on the football field. They've got tons and tons of film on them so you know coming out here and running a, a really good 40 when you've never run a really good 40 in your life I don't know how much that should or will enhance your draft position because they already know what your functional football skill and what your functional football speed is so you know really you'll hear the same talk about this all the time the, the biggest part of this is the medicals and it's the interviews, the face-to-face interviews. And even though they're short, you can kind of get a feel for how much knowledge a, a kid can have and what his capacity is to learn offenses and defenses. So do you think this, this gives uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis and everyone involved in football operations a better idea of the positions that they want to address in free agency and positions that they want to address in the draft? 
Well, I'm pretty sure they already have a really good idea of that. I mean, last year, and, and, and sometimes things change. I mean, last year in free agency, uh, the Saints signed Nick Easton. You, mm-hmm. you figured, okay, they're good to go at, at, at center. They've signed the guy in free agency. Then the draft comes along, and they have a second-round pick. And then Eric McCoy sitting there, and they say, you know what? This guy's too good to pass up. Yeah. And voila, here we go with a starting center as a rookie. And then Nick Easton proves to be a really, really valuable backup at left guard as the season goes along because of injuries to Andrews Pete. So you just never know. You can go in with the plan, and the plan can always change according to who's available in the draft. Well, J.D., we know 16 players from LSU are attending the Combine from a lot of different positions, namely Joe Burrow, who you know is ever on everyone's radar in uh, his Burger King hands. But, <laughs> J.D., how seriously did you take those hand measurements? Uh, well, as he said himself, I mean, if, if, he, if he'd have been following the ball all over the place, and that's one thing. And I think Patrick Mahomes also had, you know, smaller than usual hands or, you know, hands that they didn't feel like, you know, fit the norm. And Patrick Mahomes has played pretty good in bad weather. Yeah. yeah let me add that in there, too. So, you know, I don't think that that's as big a concern to teams as it is just something to be a talking point. Because look at the production. You know, you know, small hands, no hands. That's great production. And, I mean, you just don't see it. That's unprecedented production at a high-level uh, school against high-level competition. So that's what they're looking at. I mean, those are the things that jump off the page, not the size of his hands. When you see him out there and you see the production, those are the things that jump out. I think last year, uh, even last year, uh, number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, was considered to have small hands, and he was considered to be short. He turns out to be the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, I think a lot of things are thrown out for smoke screens. A lot of things are thrown out for talking points. And when it comes down to it, the film doesn't lie. I know you're not going to shy away from giving your opinion at all, but is there any metric that you think is just silly that they do during well, the combine? Because uh, in my opinion, uh, it's the hand honest, measurement. Yeah, well, the hand measurement, uh, to be honest, I'm not crazy about the 40 times. I mean, because guys, hmm. here's what happens. Guys get with track coaches, and they learn how to lower their speed. Because, right. they, you, know, you know, they get good foot, you know, they get track form and those kinds of things, and they learn how to get out of the blocks, that kind of stuff. I want to know what's what's functional in uniform with pads on and people chasing you and you trying to evade people. That's what's real. You know, straight line speed is great if you can get to the point where you're in a straight line. But how many times does that happen over the course of an NFL game? So, you know, I want to, I want to see functional game speed. Show me what he does in a game with people chasing him or with people in front of him or when he's boxed in and he's trying to get away from people as opposed to when he's in a straight line. Because a lot of times, you, know, you see, you know, does he have home run? Does he have home run ability? Well, yeah, he does. You know, because he practiced. You know, he's been practicing track for a month and a half, and he's lowered his speed. But when you look at his film, how many of those actually turned out to be home run plays? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you can count on, as opposed to a guy just running to get the win. I think we should test your theory out, J.D. I think we should go in the indoor here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center. You can run a 40, and then we'll get you in football pads, and I'll chase you, and then we'll see if the times are any different. Look, my, my 40 is going to be about eight flat anyway. <laughs> you know, pads are not. So, <laughs> so you know, we can, we can test that theory With all we want. With or without a pulled hamstring. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, might, we might need an ambulance after. That might be something that might be that – might, we might need to keep that on hand, but – you know, my 40 is going to be consistent. Are you going to be better or worse than Darren Ravel's 40 time? 
look, just looking at him, looking now, to, to be him, I would get a track coach, and I would practice to make sure that my 40 was better than that because that was the worst running form I have ever seen in the history of running. If, if, if man's survival depended on that running right there, we would not be here. Oh, man. Okay. I have to get away from the mic so that I don't cackle into the mic. Um, so, J.D., let's get back to the combine here. Are there any uh, LSU players that you're particularly looking forward to seeing? We're not going to be able to see Joe Burrow. Uh, some other guys say that they won't work out at the combine. They'll work out at Pro Day on April 3rd. But are there any LSU guys that you're looking forward to seeing in the combine this week? Well, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to go, and uh, it'll be interesting to see him because you know he's you know the smallest running back, and those guys you know, generally have chips on their shoulders because they have a lot to prove because of size-wise. So I would imagine he'd go through the drills, and I mean he showed a lot, you know, his last season at LSU, uh, the ability to catch the ball, the ability to pass block, and you know those were things that probably really earned him his invitation here, as well as the production. So you know I, I'd like to see him work a little bit. And just to see how we, you know, just to see how we handle it. Again, you're, you're working pretty much against air, so you know it, it's tough to really get a great gauge on it. But you know, some things like there's a drill where they're catching balls running through a gauntlet. You know, well they're going to time that now, and that means guys can't go through three quarters of speed and you know, kind of, you know, kind of. I don't want to say loaf through, but they can be really comfortable. Now there's a little bit added stress because you're trying to beat a time, you're trying to make a time, and so that makes it more game-related speed. So you just want to see how these guys perform under more game-like conditions. And he's one of the guys I want to see. Well, I'm looking forward to all of your articles that will be available on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. But, J.D., before I let you go, uh, there's been a lot of talk lately uh, over the last week, two weeks, about the extending of the schedule to 17 games, a new proposed CBA and all that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I am vehemently against going to 17 games I, I just you know and I know you know players I, th- I think this you know kind of a, a a schism between players maybe the older guys and the younger guys and the younger guys are feeling pretty good and they're seeing more money and you know what's one more game gonna 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 hurt and yeah, it's gonna hurt you right. uh, because Eventually, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna yeah it's gonna cut down on the longevity if you go to night you know go to 17 games yeah that's one more game of wear and tear one more game of punishment and football is, you know, for my money, the most grueling, the most physical sport. So we're talking about putting your body through that again uh, for an extra week. And I just think that's a lot. I think it's a lot to ask uh, of those players to go out there and ask them to play another game. Uh, and, you know, on top of that, you know, I don't see anything uh, as it relates to, like, guaranteed contracts. Right. And, and to me, you know, NFL players are, you know, they're, the, they're behind the curve on that in terms of securing guaranteed contracts. And I know, you know, the ownership obviously has a really, really strong group and players feel like they have a strong union. But um, of the major sports, you know, they're the only ones who don't have guaranteed contracts. And yet they're talking about expanding the season and putting your body through even more wear and tear. And so, you know, that's the thing that I, I just – you know, again, I understand because, you know, the revenue split is going to increase for players and that's going to put more money on the table and more money in the contracts and more money in their pockets. And I understand that. But, man, it, it that's a really, really tough trade-off when we're talking about, you know, what you, what you put your body through. I think someone made a good point the other day. The timing of it is interesting, too, because you're doing it 
uh, you know, now when when it's off season and guys aren't playing and they've recovered a little bit from the season. But if you were to ask this same question, maybe in week, you know, 15, 16 of the season, I think guys would would absolutely say no because of the wear and tear that they're feeling on their body at that current point in time. Oh, absolutely. I don't even think you need to wait to 15, 16. Wait till week five and, and ask the two teams that play on Thursday night if they want to add a game to the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, because that's probably, you know, body-wise what it's going to feel like if you add another game to it because, you know, there are bumps and bruises. You know, there's no such thing as making it through an NFL season without injury. It's just guys who manage their injuries. And so now you're talking about adding an extra element to it to where it's not just, you know, practice. this is talking about live now. You're going live again, and it's just extremely difficult. All right, J.D., we'll have to wait and see. Again, you can check out all of J.D.'s articles on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app as he is out there at the Combine. J.D., we look forward to it and appreciate you joining us. No problem. Today's episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll tune back in on Friday. Again, make sure you're checking in on the NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app for all of your coverage on the Combine. Thanks for joining us, and we'll tune back in on Friday.